Chapter 52 In certain regions of the Himalayas, among the twenty-two temples that represent the twenty-two arcana of Hermes and the twenty-two letters of some sacred alphabets, Agartha forms the mystic zero which cannot be found, a colossal chessboard that extends beneath the earth through almost all the regions of the globe. Saint-Yves d'Alvedre, Mission de l'Inde en Europe, Paris, Calman Lévy, 1886, pages 54 and 65. When I got back I told the story to Belbo and Diotalevi, and we ventured various hypotheses. Perhaps Salon, a gossiping eccentric who dabbled in mysteries, had happened to meet Ardenti, and that was the whole story, unless Salon knew something about Ardenti's disappearance and was working for the ones who had caused him to disappear. Another hypothesis, Salon was a police informer. Then, as our diabolicals came and went, the memory of Salon faded and was lost among his similars. One day, Allier came to the office to report on some manuscripts Belbo had sent him. His opinions were precise, severe, comprehensive. Allier was clever. It didn't take him long to figure out the Garamond minutious double game, and we now talked openly in front of him. He understood. He would destroy a text with a few sharp observations, then remark with smooth cynicism that it would be fine for minutious. I asked him what he could tell me about Agartha and Saint-Yves d'Alvedre. Saint-Yves d'Alvedre, he said, a bizarre man beyond doubt. From his youth he spent time with the followers of Fabre d'Olivet. He became a humble clerk in the Ministry of the Interior, but ambitious. We naturally took a dim view of his marriage to Marie-Victoire. Allier couldn't resist shifting to the first person as if he were reminiscing. Who was Marie-Victoire? I love gossip, Belbo said. Marie-Victoire de Risnich, very beautiful when she was the intimate of the Empress de Genie. But by the time she met Saint-Yves she was over fifty, and he was in his early thirties. For her, a mésalliance, of course. What's more, to give him a title she bought some property, I can't remember where, that had belonged to a certain Marquis d'Alvedre. So, while our unscrupulous character boasted of his title, in Paris they sang songs about the gigolo. Since he could now live off his income, he devoted himself to his dream, which was to find a political formula that would lead to a harmonious society, synarchy as opposed to anarchy, a European society governed by three councils, representing economic power, judicial power, and spiritual power, the church and the scientists, in other words, an enlightened oligarchy that would eliminate class conflicts. We've heard worse. What about Agartha? Santif claimed to have been visited one day by a mysterious Afghan a man named Haji Sharif, who can't have been an Afghan because the name is clearly Albanian. This man revealed to him the secret dwelling place of the king of the world, though Santiv himself never used that expression. He called it Agartha, the place that cannot be found. Where did he write this? In his Mission de l'Inde en Europe, a work that, incidentally, has influenced a great deal of contemporary political thought. In Agartha there are underground cities— and below them, closer to the center, live the five thousand sages that govern it. The number five thousand suggests, of course, the hermetic roots of the Vedic language, as you gentlemen know. And each root is a magic hierogram connected to a celestial power and sanctioned by an infernal power. The central dome of Agartha is lighted from above by something like mirrors, which allow the light from the planet's surface to arrive only through the enharmonic spectrum of colors, as opposed to the solar spectrum of our physics books, which is merely diatonic. The wise ones of Agartha study all holy languages in order to arrive at the universal language, which is Vatan. When they come upon mysteries too profound, they levitate, 
and would crack their skulls against the vault of the dome if their brothers did not restrain them. They forge the lightning bolts, they guide the cyclic currents of the interpolar and intertropical fluids, the interferential extensions in the different zones of the Earth's latitude and longitude. They select species and have created small animals with extraordinary psychic powers, animals which have a tortoise shell with a yellow cross, a single eye, and a mouth at either end, and polypod animals which can move in all directions. Agartha is probably where the Templars found refuge after their dispersion, and where they perform custodial duties. Anything else? But was he serious? I asked. I believe he was. At first we considered him a fanatic, but then we realized that he was referring, perhaps in a visionary figurative way, to an occult direction of history. Isn't it said that history is a blood-stained and senseless riddle? No, impossible. There must be a design. There must be a mind. That is why over the centuries men far from ignorant have thought of the masters or the king of the world not as physical beings, but as a collective symbol, as the successive temporary incarnation of a fixed intention, an intention with which the great priestly orders and the vanished chivalries were in touch. Do you believe this? Belbo asked. Persons more balanced than Dalvedra seek the unknown superiors. And do they find them? Allier laughed as if to himself. What sort of unknown superiors would they be if they allowed the first person who comes along to know them? Gentlemen, we have work to do. There is one more manuscript here, and— What a coincidence! It's a treatise on secret societies. Any good? Belbo asked. Perish the thought. But it could do for Minutius. <laughs>